Welcome. Hi, I'm Mickey, and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. Hey everyone, it's Mickey here. You're listening to Wikipedia, and this week on the podcast, I have returning guest Darren Ellis. Uh, strength and conditioning coach and expert and we talk all about strength training on a fat loss approach and why it is important. We discuss what constitutes strength training which is a question that comes up a lot you know does yoga does pilates etc. Why progression is important regardless of what you're doing and how to optimize your strength training for your lifestyle so it doesn't mean that you have to be in the gym 24 7 or that you need any fancy equipment now darren is the strength and conditioning expert on monday's matter which kicks off monday 25th of september and registration starts tomorrow thursday 14th of september so absolutely check out the link of that in the show notes so for those of you unfamiliar with darren he has a master's in strength and conditioning and he aims to share what he's learned with as many people as possible teaching them that there are no shortcuts with exercise but that it can be achievable and even fun with good coaching and a supportive peer group he is a regular contributor to a variety of popular print and web-based health and fitness magazines he's a public speaker and consultant to sporting organizations businesses universities and television Darren's specialties are strength training and nutrition for fitness, sport, weight loss, muscle gain and longevity and he works a lot online so you do not need to be in the same city in order to get Darren's expertise and Darren can be found at www.darrenellis.coach and links to that will be in the podcast also. Before we crack on into the interview though, just a reminder that the best way to support the podcast is to hit the subscribe button on your favourite podcast listening platform. That increases the visibility of the podcast out there in amongst literally thousands of other podcasts, so more people get the opportunity to learn from the guests that I have on the show, like Darren. Alright team, enjoy this conversation. Darren, Darren Ellis, so good to have you back on Wikipedia. Um, you know, actually, I don't know that I told you this, but, um, we had, I had a bit of feedback that someone said, oh, Darren's a bit fattest, isn't he? Oh. Interesting, isn't it? Fattest. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, and, and maybe they're right. Um, but certainly not from any kind of nasty perspective. Um, you and I were just talking before you hit record about, how sometimes it's uncomfortable to speak the truth, but someone's got to, and it's important. Like that's a, what is it? That's a burden we bear. That's something we take on willingly. If we're going to do right by the people that we're looking to serve. And the fact is that um, you can't be healthy at any size. You might be healthy at the time, at this particular point in time, but long term, you know, there's not a single bit of scientific data that I'm aware of that proves you can be healthy at any size for your entire life. Um, and so I'm not fattest. I just think that it's proven that having a body composition that is trending towards increasing muscle mass and decreasing body fat, that's not even talking about getting the shreddy six-pack. We're nowhere near that, um, is, is going to be better for us. And that's all I want for people is to understand that because sometimes it's like, hey, it's okay. You know, there's a little bit of that. It's okay to da-da-da, but that message can go too far. Um, yeah, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely not saying we have to look like bodybuilders, um, skinny twigs or anything like that. It's just that we do need to be aware that controlling our body composition is a massive part of, of being um, not only healthy, but being able to just do the stuff that we want to do. And you and I love, both love having adventures. It's just a little harder if you if you weigh more um, of the wrong stuff. You know, and it's funny, actually, because when I got that feedback, I really had to rack my brain because I couldn't remember any element of it, which I felt was a, like was being um, was 
alienating um, someone mm-hmm. in a, you know, someone with obesity or uh, with overweight. But um, but I, I think that's just the different perspectives that people sort of have and the lens that they look at it um, with. And I think in, yeah. with regards to health at every size and long-term health at every size. I did actually write a blog post about this. I mean, I got some feedback too, actually, because I said exactly the same thing, that metabolic health, Mm -hmm. actually, what the data shows is that it is going to deteriorate faster if you are a person with obesity, um, even if your blood markers and your biomarkers are good now, 10, 20, 30 years down the line, that's actually not what the science shows, that you are at a greater risk. And, you know, I, yeah. I got pushback from that. Certainly I got emails from people saying, you know, this was really bad for me to read because of my binge eating disorder. And, you know, like they just really, you know, and I really felt for that person. And I, you know, I was, I've, I um, felt strongly, you know, that I, I was, um I felt their distress at that knowledge and information, but I think to sort of keep that stuff to ourselves, I think there's a really fine balance, a fine line that we need to, we, we need to sort of navigate where you don't want people to feel bad about themselves at all. And that's certainly not the, not, not, no one wants to do that. Yet you do have to be honest with people. Yeah. I mean, there's that, uh, it's sort of being empathetic, yeah. Um, but 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 without um, I'm I'm, I'm coddling, lacking the, the That's it. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, because there's too many people out there now saying, "Yeah, it's fine. Um, it's not your fault. Don't worry." Yeah. Um, and and I think there needs to be a few more people saying, "It's maybe wasn't your fault up until this point, but now you have the knowledge. You can." do something about it the responsibility um, isn't it it's, it's yeah, not your fault but yeah. now might it might be your responsibility to to sort of do something yeah exactly and uh, it, funny just talk just what you're saying before made me think how you know there's a lot of research showing that uh you only have to lose if, if you're overweight obese you can lose about five percent yeah of, of body weight and show massive improvements in, in blood markers and metabolic health yeah do you think that that maybe is what's helped, like almost reinforces this idea of healthy at any size? Oh, because say someone who's very overweight, they lose five percent. Like by the metrics, they're still classified as overweight. But now they're showing all these improved health markers. There you go; they're healthy now. You can stop. And again, I'm just wildly speculating, but um, yeah. I think the fact that you can show that someone can can demonstrate improved health while still maybe being categorically in, a, in an obese um, uh, range um, could, could have contributed to the, you know, oh, well, it, you know, that's enough. Um, it, it, but, yeah, it's a spectrum. It's a problem with ending on a spectrum. Yeah. This is too far. This is too much. Yes. Like how do we get people in the middle? And I'm, I'm big about the moderation, you know. Yeah. We were chatting again before the thing. Like I love average. Average is actually exceptional. Um, and we find ourselves being marketed to to become this – you know, one percent, um, and it's not really possible for most of us if we've got normal lives. Um, but by the same token, we don't want to go so far the other way. Yeah, no, that's a that's a really great question, Darren. I um, the information that I've sort of seen out there is uh, actually they are these prospective studies, and they don't really consider the uh, weight trajectory of that individual retrospectively so they're just looking at someone at a point in time uh bmi and then they're looking at how their health um sort of what their health trajectory is like across decades and then that's how they're sort of making their assumptions but you know what i mean the work that you you do like the the strength-based work the stuff that we advocate like we know that um that that is plays such an important role in in determining health outcomes and body composition yeah. and also yeah. you know that does the of course change how a person's appearance is because as your body composition changes muscle yeah. takes up less space than fat so your body looks leaner at the same body weight like all of those all of those um things are important regardless of what you weigh but it, you know it was it, it was interesting to me 
that you that someone would have said that about you as a fattest because I know certainly that that's not you know <laughs> that's sort of not yeah. part of your uh, part of uh, like anything that I've seen that you sort of talk about but it's just no and sometimes I might say something tongue-in-cheek more t- to make a point um, but if I'm ever giving anyone grief it's I'm generally giving myself grief or including myself in those behaviors yeah um, yeah um, certainly not looking to 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 fire any nasty shots at anybody. Oh gosh, no. Um, but but wanting to yeah, wanting to also like again like like uh, I admire you so much for doing is understanding what is reality, and then what can we do about that? You know, yeah. we, we've got to first accept those situations so that we can actually help people move forward. Um, if we dodge the issue, we're we're just like I don't know. It's not government helpful. agency. It's trying to get trying to get train tracks built. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Just... <laughs> you know, yeah, and and you know what it is? It's about it's about looking for opportunities. Like, hey, this is this yeah. is the state of where we were at now, but what are the opportunities to improve? You know, and I'm all yeah. I'm totally yeah. about that, and that's how I like to sort of view everything. Now, one question that I have, because obviously today on the podcast, what I really want to chat about is um, all things like this, because. It's, fun to have you know to um to the fat a little bit uh but also um some maybe myths or misconceptions about what strength training is um when you might need to progress your strength training program how this fits with a weight loss approach because of course you and I both work on Mondays Matter you're our strength expert and uh you know we're coming up on the September intake for that um so so, I mean, we, I want to chat about all of that stuff, but I do want to t- start with something that you actually just said before we jumped on online was one of those misconceptions about strength training. And you said that women are often sold that they, they want lean and long limbs and you get, and, you know, when they think about sort of resistance training, they're looking for things which make them sort of lean and long. What was it that you said? Was it? Yeah, oh, long lean muscle. Long you know, that's lean the, muscle. Like shaping, like this, this, and you know, body sculpting, body shaping. It's all tied in. Yes. Um, and yeah, convince it's you know it's playing to that demographic to to women that they have to look a certain way, um, which you know always gives me the shits. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, let alone that fashion changes on the regular anyway, right? At some point, it was fashionable to be larger. Um, and then, then we went through the '60s where it was fashionable to to look basically have anorexia, um, and you know we're constantly fluctuating. So of course, the people's ideas of how they should look are always going to be changing. Um, I definitely hate seeing people marketed to about how they should be looking. Um, and yeah, the long lean muscle is one of those classic ones, but it's 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 all about. It seems to be all about encouraging women at the moment to be to be smaller. Um, always smaller and you know then it's always flogging themselves with cardio hardly eating um, everything about shrinking down you know versus um, and again I think our mutual friend Steph talks about taking up more space um, both both physically and 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 um, metaphorically or whatever like being proud of being strong having muscle lifting weights in a what's normally a male environment um, you know, we. I certainly am very passionate about uh, helping people understand that that is not only okay, but is great and is necessary for longevity. You know, it's not just about oh, if you want to play sport, you need to lift weights. It's like if you want to have better transition through menopause and be vigorous, you know, into your seventies, eighties, nineties. Strength training is almost not an option, not a, not an optional, sorry, thing. It's an absolute necessity. So, do you reckon? So, because I always wonder about this, because I see, I sometimes in my Instagram feed and stuff, um, you know, I see people say, "Oh, woman, you're doing it wrong. You shouldn't be doing cardio. Ex- not you shouldn't be doing. You know, you shouldn't be focusing on cardio X Y Z." And I'm like, "Yeah, I know that, but doesn't everyone know that now? Like, but of course, you're in the field. Is it? Is it?" Is that no, not a known? Is it still it's, we're still there in that cardio world? I love cardio, by the way. But anyway, yeah, but I do yeah, love strength, yeah, and, and yeah. I'm learning to love it too. Uh, but yeah, it's it's that I've actually seen a lot more people like you and me now, like reminding or putting out that message that cardio is great for heart health. Yeah, you know the way it always used to be. Yes, cardio is great for 
getting outside. Cardio is great for um, like you know um, capillarization and um, VO two max um, things that could help you do other things, um, but it's not great for burning fat if that's your primary goal. Well, and I, see, I like to see a phrase that way. Do you reckon? Because I got to say, the metabolic cost of running is so much higher than any other yes. sort of thing. So, you know, if I'm talking, but I think it's. Yeah. Sorry, well, I think I'm not saying that it doesn't burn fat. Like it absolutely does. But if you if you engage with cardio for the sole purpose of burning fat, you might be setting yourself up for trouble. Like so because you're not you're not combining it with the resistance training. And you know every yes. combo study under the sun has has shown that diet's okay, cardio is okay, resistance training is okay. But resistance training and cardio and diet is king. You know, ten x. Yeah. And so that's an important um, caveat. And also, I do think it's a mindset thing. You know, people are running and they are visualizing the fat melting off them. You know, <laughs> I am burning fat right now. Um, and I've been through that. Like, just again, like I said, I, whenever I sort of tease, I'm teasing myself. I have totally done that. Every time I have a slightly puffier workout than normal, yeah. There's a voice in my brain going, you burn so much fat off your abs right now. You, uh, you're getting so lean today, that one session. Yeah. Um, it feels like you're burning fat. But, which isn't a bad thing, eh? Like I, I've got yeah, to say yeah. from, a, from a mindset perspective, like it's like if you, if you have that perception on it, as long as you're right, you've got that balance, then, yeah. then that's good. But I often see it like yeah. in my social media feed, I often see the, the question like, is cardio better than resistance training? And it's like, well, no, they're both great for different reasons. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know what? So one of the things which I get all of the time, and you came in on a conversation about it too, so I just tagged you in it because this is in our Mondays group of, is Pilates enough for strength training? Mm. And I hate breaking people's hearts when I say, I'm like, well, no, it's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about resistance training, Darren, I want you to to sort of explain why I might say that, if you agree with me, and I think we're on the same page. But also, if you are there, like why it's so great and, and how, and, you know, can you talk us through the sort of the stages, I, I guess? I think there's a couple of things in that in that scenario. Um, one is that often with Pilates, there's, there's potentially a limit to how far you can progress the challenge. Yeah. And, you know, the, the number one uh, principle of strength training is progressive overload. You, you need to make it harder as your body adapts. Um, that's effectively what we're doing. We're challenging our muscles. They respond by getting stronger, bigger, more efficient. And so um, if you don't continue to do that, you know, there's, there's a risk of plateauing. Um, so that's, yeah, the thing with Pilates, it's, it's always hard. I, I, I did a class, um, and it was really hard. Yeah. It was really challenging, yeah. but I wasn't used to it. So of course, if you go regularly, you get used to it. And eventually you need to put more, if you're on the reformer, you need to attach more springs or, or whatever you need to do more reps. And there's a lot of scope for that, but eventually where do you go? You end up doing thousands of lunges and thousands of i don't know all the moves but you you, you run out of options to increase um that range and you can only hook so many springs onto the reformer before you run out of round of juice um and i do think and again this i'm not overly knowledgeable about parties but i do think that perhaps there's a somewhat limit a limitation in the movement Variation. Yes. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely um, like uninformed. I, I, want, I don't want to speak too too much to that. Like I don't know hundred yeah. percent about it, but I, I I get a feeling that it's you know it's very core focused, for example. Yeah. Um. And then and then sort of lungy kind of stuff, but I don't know about upper body strength. Um. So, but that's that speaks to the second point, which is I think that Pilates and running and yoga and um, cycling and swimming and so many recreational kind of activities that we love to do like how many times have you talked to someone who's like oh, i hate the gym i like to just get out on the trails and and run or ride my mountain bike or do this or do that 100 percent agree oh, i like to i just surf that keeps me in shape and it does until it doesn't and that usually appears around that magical time of late 30s early 40s suddenly it's like but i'm still surfing i'm still i'm still going for my runs i'm still doing this what's going on my body seems to be changing uh and i 
am somewhat biased, but I think it's the absence of strength training. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and I think, you know, in your, and in addition to the absence of strength training, your body is so smart, it gets very efficient at what it does, right? So, so the amount of energy that's required, so if we just think solely energy in, energy out, calories, and it's much more than that, but, you know, your body becomes very efficient at doing the things that it's used to doing. So over time, you burn less energy in those activities compared to what you would have been burning, for example, as a novice. Um, so I think that's that's something to be to be sort of mindful yeah. of. What I really loved about our co- our conversation on the Monday's page was that a couple of Pilates instructors chimed in and said, you know what, you're sort of right. Like it was great initially, but now I know I need to do strength training alongside my Pilates because it's actually not enough for me anymore. And I found that really yeah, interesting. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and she's that's tough, right? Um, the I think that's what's hardest is <laughs> if we're going to implement new habits into our lives, would it be easy to do it 20 or would it be easy to do it 40? Ah, yeah, yeah, and it, and at 40, we're stubborn, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and we've got we've got a lifetime of uh, this is what worked for me. Uh, you how like you're suggesting all this new stuff now? Like I don't see how that can work. Um, and so we get pushback, and and understandable because I'm suggesting something that you know is is different. And uh, yeah, like hey, no Pilates worked for me, or yoga worked for me, or getting out for a surf every second day works for me. Um, but yeah, our bodies are changing as we get older, and and so thus the uh, the strategies need to change as well. Yeah, and I think the other thing is is that we we always think about muscle mass um, and how it relates to body composition with resistance training. But one of the things that I really buy into, and I know you will as well, is the impact of resistance training for bone density. Because, you know, as we age, I mean, we have to be functional as well, obviously, and we have to work on balance and flexibility and, and mobility. But bones are like, we lose bone mass across the decades. And that stimulus of having the muscle pull on the bone as you get when you're lifting heavy things, you're not going to get that, or you're putting load on, not necessarily just lifting heavy things, yeah. you're putting load on. Yeah. You yeah. might not get with activities like Pilates or a or a yoga class, because that's another one that comes up as, you know, is yoga strength training? I feel like I'm, you know, my physique's really great and, and things like that, but I don't know that it does the same thing either. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, certainly there's, there's got to be aspects of it um, and there's different styles. Um, but yeah, the chances are that at some point you need to supplement with genuine strength training. And it, hey, it's interesting, right? There's been a lot of research just coming out recently showing that you can get as high as like 30 reps and still see uh, uh, some positive stimulus in muscle mass and strength. Uh, but I still wonder, you know, the classic strength range is sort of one to six. Um, and and I'll usually promote more like six to twelve because that, that's the sweet spot. We're not lifting overly heavy weights, so we we can manage you know technical demands, um, safety, confidence around that stuff, um, but still get enough of a stimulus to drive strength and to drive muscle uh, hypertrophy. Um, but beyond that, uh, I think that you know yeah we, we would exhaust the sort of twenty to thirty rep range pretty quickly. I I feel. Um, with experience because it starts to approach that kind of and it sounds like we're bagging on Pilates here but that kind of Pilates type move where you know you do lots and lots and lots of reps Um, I think that's where we would exhaust our potential the the fastest but there's more potential to basically forever in the 6 to 10 kind of range 5 to 20 even Uh, you know we can pretty much challenge ourselves in that range forever but to challenge ourselves in that range we usually need to have some of some sort of external load. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes that, sense. Sorry, that was a lot, the long-winded point I was trying to make. No, is no, no. You've got to get some weights in your hands, yeah, yeah. on your back um, at some point um, to, to, to properly challenge. Even like there's tons of – I love body weight movement, but uh, <laughs> it gets more technical. To, to make it harder, like to do challenging – lower rep movements you're usually doing single leg squats and handstand push-ups and dips and you know like much more difficult movements to create enough of a stimulus but now you've got this technical limitation 
um, uh, to learn those things. Um, and it's hard to find an in-between. You know, most people are at the sort of like sit-ups and push-ups and squats. Um, and, and, and at the leap from there to, to handstand push-ups and pistols is, is a golf. Um, and there's not much in between, um, or at least it takes a lot more work. Whereas you go to the gym, you've got a nice stack. You just choose the next, the next plate on the stack, or put one and a half kilos each side of the bar, or choose the next pair of dumbbells. It's a lot easier, um, and then I think that also makes it way more uh, motivating and exciting to participate in. Again, so I'm coming from someone who loves bodyweight movement, but the patience, uh, the 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 crazy patience you need to progress in body weight stuff can be really like demoralizing um but if i'm lifting the 10 kilo dumbbells in august and in september i'm lifting the 12 kilo dumbbells you know that's the kind you can make that kind of progress quite you know quite rapidly or one more rep with the tens or, or whatever it is um, so yeah that's again where i think strength training can offer so much more because sometimes when you're like am i actually this can prove it so easily and that can really help with that consistency and um, that adherence, you know, which is the toughest part, right? Yes. The toughest part is doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think, and I, and I think it's a, you know, I, I love that, you know, you get out that people get out there and do it, but you're right. It's that progression to find, to continue to improve. That's, mm. that's where I think some people sort of get a little bit, not stuck, but it's like, well, I already do this three times a week, 20 minute thing. And I've been doing it for two years and I just love it, which is great for maintaining for a point, but you do need that additional. Yeah. 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 And I, right from like some of my earliest days of, of training in gyms, I can always remember, uh, and it was, it was usually the men, but maybe that was because, again, there weren't as many older women coming to the gym. But I would see these old guys come in and they would do the exact same routine every time. And they'd be there almost every day, but they'd come in and, you know, they'd go to the XYZ machine and they'd put exactly 33 kilos on the plate and they would do 12 reps. And then they would move on to the something else machine and they would put 22 kilos on that particular plate, like the, the fourth plate, and they would do extra, and they would do it exactly the same every day. They would never change the weights they did. They would never change the reps they did. And, you know, of course it's better than doing nothing, but their body is basically interpreting that as a walk to the mailbox. Yes. At, at this point in time. That same 10 years. I got, I've been going to the gym every day for 10 years. Why don't you look like it? Um, certainly they would, again, they would be, less healthy if they weren't but um they're just missing opportunity because and the routine is great and often i think you know perhaps a widower that routine is very important mentally having this routine but gosh we're just missing a window there with understanding what's required to 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 keep gaining benefit from this stuff and it's not actually that complicated it's just try to do a little better each time. So, Darren, where? What about? So, you know, like you for Mondays, you do like a range of programs. You do body weight home, and you do gym. Like, if someone mm -hmm. is stuck in that realm of, um, well, maybe they don't even realize they're stuck, but now they're listening to us. They go, "Oh shoot, that's me." How would they progress if a gym isn't an option for them? Like, where do you take? Like, at you're at home, you do body weight training, you enjoy it, but you recognize that you it's now time to move on. Are buying weights the only option? Can they use bands? Like, what's your yeah. take on that? Um, and just start with what you've got. And I'm actually I'm I'm picturing someone. Um, right now, and I, I think she did one of your programs as well. Um, shout out, you know who you are. If I'm talking about you, she lives on a farm, yeah, um, and and a fairly decent distance away from a gym. And when we first started working together, I think she had a pair of four kilo dumbbells and a pair of five kilo dumbbells, so basically the same ones, um, you know, uh, and that's all she had. And um, we, we started doing a combination of using those dumbbells and some body weight movements. And then um, one day she says to me, oh, I'm, I think I'm going to buy some more weights. And she bought some, I think some sevens. And then she bought some tens. And now she's in the market for a barbell. Interesting. And, and I think we've been working together. It's got to be coming up on a year now. Um, but, yeah, we started with what she had. Yeah. It was challenging. And as she got better, she just added a little bit to the arsenal. 
um, and she's slow, slowly building a little little home gym. Um, actually, and when I closed my gym down, I actually I mailed her a pair of my rings. She she got a pull up bar set up. I sent I had a spare pair of rings, so I mailed those to her. And um, so now she can do um, like row type movements as well, and assisted pull ups and some cool stuff as well. So we're we're building out a cool little home gym for her. But she started with bugger all, and we made it work. Yeah. So that's that's my again long winded answer. I love them. Um, you can absolutely do more than enough with what you've got. Um, and just, just, but just understand that at some point, yeah, you might need to, you know, progress to the next step. But, you know, I've, you know, during COVID, I was lifting backpacks filled with water bottles and, and books and stuff. Um, you know, you can get quite, quite, uh, just to have a look in the garage, what's, what's out there that's heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd be surprised, just, just get, get, you know, into the crooks of your elbows, a, a big bag squat that you can deadlift it you can clean it up you can press it over your head you can lie on your back and bench press it you can bent row it um you can you can lunge with it there's tons of movements you could do yeah and, and um, slowing down your movements like is that another absolutely yeah. yeah so we like to call it tempo oh yeah um, you know that keeps it that keeps us in business we've got to give it fancy words That's but yeah true. moving slower yeah. and this is actually an interesting thing the uh you know i've i've, I've, I've been in CrossFit for a long time where we're speeding everything up and it was always a oh, power output. You go faster, do more work in less time, power output. We can prove it, you know, mathematically. Slowing it down makes it harder. Making it harder means you get stronger. <laughs> oh, sorry, just just standing up. <laughs> I thought that was a um, – when I heard that were, I thought it was uh, the workman had started up outside your oh, door or something. Oh, no, no, that was just my desk. It's a standing desk. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, you know, if you're going to put yours up, then I'm going to put mine up. <laughs> Although I think I've got, a, I think I've got uh, a plug in the wrong place. I'm not going to go any higher than that. Um, yeah, and that, so that's, that's the thing is, um, yeah, it's just, it's just progression. And and tempo is is a, is a forgotten about um, variable in progression. If you've only got your four kilo dumbbells at, at home, yeah, lift them slower, yeah. Um, and it seems like almost oh, surely not, um, but actually, but actually, yeah, the muscle almost doesn't recognise the weight on the bar. It recognises the tension that you're creating with that bar. All right, and that's why bodybuilders are classic. A lot of people would like, oh, bodybuilders they look strong, but they're not really strong. And the bodybuilders are like. Well, I am pretty strong, but that's not my goal anyway. I don't care about being strong. I'm, I'm trying to build my muscle. And they're doing it with relatively less weight than power lifters and Olympic weightlifters are yes. using because they're using the power of tempo. They're slowing things down. They're putting their mind in the muscle. They're trying to exhaust the muscle in a way with as little – like it's actually more advantageous to do it with less weight, less warm-up sets, less work overall. Yes. Like you, you can get to that point where you can make this particular weight feel really hard that's a win. I agree. And do you know what? So, so I had, um, um, I saw somewhere, someone wrote that, you know, post-menopause, and I know that you work with a lot of women, and despite the fact that you you are a man, you work with a lot of women, and uh, it's funny, like a lot of people nowadays say, oh, no, I can't work with a man because he doesn't understand me as a woman, and it's, I, I don't know about that, to be fair. But because um, you... I prefer working with women because, uh, I'm going to say it, you're smarter, you have less ego, you're willing to work harder. Um, yeah, guys are tough. Yeah, that's interesting. Guys are tough. We're, we're children when it comes to the this this fitness scuff. You know, we we don't want to be told. Oh yeah, we think we know it all. Um, yeah, I'll happily work with women in any day of the week. Yeah. Okay, then. So you know, I came across this thing, and and someone had written that um, postmenopausal women should not waste their time with rep ranges that extend beyond one to six reps because they really need to do the real heavy lifting. And I just thought that was so mm. intimidating for menopause, for, for potentially if you've never done it before, for some yeah. for an expert to then say, well, you know, you actually should be doing one to, you know, one to five reps and it should be hard and it should be these complex movements. Mm. When I just thought that was yeah. um, I, I, intimidating. It's, it's, it's a tough one, yeah, and I guess – Certainly, you know, if you look at the, the classic charts that are, that show that strength, like if we're classifying strength and then hypertrophy and then muscular endurance, um, that's sort of how it's always typically been laid out. And strength always was in that one to six rep range. Um, the and so you, if you want to get stronger above all else, that is where you probably need to live. 
but yeah, it comes with a learning curve. And uh, it also takes a physiological learning curve as well. Like we're not neuromuscularly efficient enough when we're new to strength training to actually benefit from it. And I saw this very early on when I was working with people. If, if someone had, had little experience and I said, hey, we're going to do five sets of five back squat, they're, they're done in 10 minutes. And I'm like, well, what, what? Like it, it felt hard. But it's like a coordination thing. Their their brain cannot speak to their muscle well enough to let them create enough force to truly challenge themselves at five reps. But if we did 12 reps, every rep after that five, because the muscle is not contracting, you know, the entirety of the muscle without going too deep into that. It's more like I used to explain like Christmas lights, sort of like the flicker on and off. And that helps prevent fatigue. Like if you ever had cramp, that's 100% contraction and that's not pleasant. So the muscle doesn't want to work that way. It's not on or off. It's kind of Christmas lighty. But we can get more of the lights to flash together as we practice training. And that actually is part of what makes us stronger. It's it's neural strength in terms of we're more efficient at contracting our muscle. But that takes practice. And one way we can get better practice or more practice is more reps. Yeah, totally. And you know what, that's, and even though I've been strength training for like legitimately 30 years now, um, I still prefer the range of about um, eight to 15, depending on what I'm Mm. doing, uh, because I am not a coordinated person. And I know that my muscles that I am able to engage better after I'm sort of in a flow of movement. So five reps just will never cut it for me. Yeah, and also yeah. I'm scared of injuring myself. And this is what I thought when I heard and when I'd seen that, you know, the idea that postmenopausal woman, despite experience, needs to be in that one to five rep range. I just thought, gosh, that's just leaving you open to injury. Yeah, it does definitely. It's, it's you know, and I've defended weight training and injury for years, but there's no denying again everything's on a spectrum the closer we move to one rms to maximal loads and maximal efforts absolutely the injury risk does go up and we can manage that again with ensuring our technique is better um like i've certainly swung back towards recommending more machine work for people especially if they are trying to get experience with that so you know like you but not many machines are set up for, you know, one rep maxes. I wouldn't recommend it, but certainly trying harder, putting in more effort, may feel, you may feel more confident doing it if you have some of the support of a Smith machine or, or a, a pad against your back or some kind of control. Um, that, that might help to, to getting closer to that one to six spectrum. But, yeah, I don't think, I don't think that it is really required to go that heavy um, and, and, to, and I'm sorry you, you don't need to go that heavy you'll still see the benefits that are being talked about yeah I think and that's six to ten eight to fifteen as you as you spoke of absolutely and that's where I live now too um uh, and I was actually just casually I was flicking through some of my old programming for the gym I used to own trying to see when did I stop programming heavy lifts and it was way back sort of 2016 it seems was when I started really cutting down on one RMs uh, because, I, again, I work with general uh, population and while it's fun to see that top, you know, or well, this is how much I can lift, um, we don't really need to know that to make the kind of progress that we're after. Um, but it's a massive mindset shift for a lot of people. But this, even even progressing, like if you can do eight, let's pick the bottom rep range for you that you're working with eight. If you can back squat eight reps for with 40 kilos, and it feels like it's about a nine out of 10 effort. Yeah. Okay. So you haven't even maxed out at eight. You, you've gone about 90%. That's great. That's going to be challenging. And in two months time, you lift 50 kilos for eight reps and it still feels like a nine out of 10 effort. You're stronger. Yeah. 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 And if we actually tested your max, we would find that as shifted as well, but we don't need to do it to see that and we've got the data there showing I, I used to live 40 and now I live 50 and it feels as hard as both used to great what tends to happen though is people will lift 40 at um, 9 out of 10 effort and then the next week they'll lift 45 at a 9.5 out of 10 effort and the next week after that they'll lift 50 at a 10 out of 10 effort and now they're on that raises edge of injury and they've also plateaued what do they do the week after that 
Yeah, yeah. Because they're maxed out, um, you know, because we can't just increase linearly. We have to kind of dance around it. Yeah. Um, and often if we stay in that kind of 8 to 9 out of 10 effort, we've got a lot more tolerance to make longer progress. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. And uh, our mates Cliff and Eric agree with you on the uh, sort of postmenopausal front. They're like, yeah, no, I'm not oh, sure yeah. about that. I think there's there's nothing really, no good data to sort of support those assertions. Um, if you can, it's amazing, yeah. but not necessarily. It's interesting, and you know, we started off this uh, this this chat with a hiss and a roar, talking about being fattest. Um, and but maybe I'm I've, I'm not so much fattest as I'm starting to become a bit more performanceist. Ah, yes. Um, and again, that's from seeing the world that I was in, where we we were telling people for years, and I was very proud and and passionate about saying it's not about how you look, it's about what you can do. And if we focus on what you can do the stuff about how you look will probably change as well. And because again, we're all, we're yeah. all somewhat aesthetically driven, but we, we want to take that mindset away of, I, I'm trying to just change the way I look and take more pride in what my body can do. And it's wonderful. It really is. But like anything, it's on a spectrum once again, and we've suddenly become obsessed with what we can do. Injury rates are going up almost to the detriment too of how we look. And there's the, 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 the factors creeping in. I'm seeing people giving themselves a pass on their metabolic health, on their body composition-based health, because I can still punch out this Metcon. I can still run pretty fast. I can still lift all this weight. And I just don't know that that's going to be something that's sustainable long term. Yeah. And you know what? Like it's that thinking in silos, eh? Like it's this is the only thing that – not this is the only thing, but this is my priority and this is the – this is, you know, this is important. So one, it might be that they're just – you know, people are just – um, worried about that but also you're right it sometimes it is just leading yourself off the hook like it doesn't matter that I've got a belly that's you know more than half my height because I can do all of the stuff and it's like that is amazing yeah. you can do all that stuff but you know what the fact that your waist circumference is more than half your height could be an issue for your metabolic health and that's something that you want to yeah. be mindful of yeah yeah and it feels like it's okay now but yeah yeah just down, down the line. road and so that's the juggle is we've we've now got a sort of get our heads around how we look and, and be, be healthy about our thinking around that as well as understanding that performance is important. We want to do things. So we're trying to improve our performance. We're trying to improve how we look and we're trying to improve how we think about how we perform and how we look. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All at the same time yeah. and bring those all together under the same roof in that sweet moderation area. But, yeah, it's so tough that always lends us a swinging one way or the other on one or all of them um and that's yeah that's the challenge so now darren what is your perspective on this like i've i've always like i rack my brain i mean you no one's ever gonna love everything that they do right and i know and but so many people just just dislike strength training what what is that even about like is that a fear of failure are they not wanting to look silly you know not that I'm saying that they would look silly but in their head they're like oh no I can't go into a gym you know all these other really fit people and they're like like have you ever sort of put like scratched your head and went you know what what is this about I have multiple theories yep I'll bang out I'll bang out a few real quickly yes um one is yeah absolutely they're intimidating and that was what first inspired me to to pursue this career, like 100%. I worked in a gym and I saw all the guys in the weight room, no women, all the women on the cardio machines doing inclined treadmill walking. And it was a exact 50-50 split. It was unbelievable. Um, and if a woman did walk into the weights room, it was like that old pump ad where everything stops and all the guys watch you take a drink of water. Yeah, It was, it was horrendous. Um, and it was sort of like, I'm going to change this. I, you know, I really wanted to to change that. So, and I still feel intimidated in gyms. Let's let's be clear. Sometimes I go in gyms and there's all these big dudes walking around. And I'm kind of like, wow. Oh, interesting. They, are, they can be yuck. They can be really yucky environments. Um, and and sometimes you know through no fault of the the gyms themselves, mm. just sometimes just the way people act in them. Um, so that's tough. Uh, the other thing is, I, I think it can make people spend a little bit too much time with their own thoughts. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's a bit more methodical and slow and you've got to rest and you stop and you're thinking and then you start stressing about work or home life or, or how you're actually performing in the gym or how you look to other people in the gym. 
And so it's it's to focus the thing. Whereas you go to a hit class, you can't think about anything or a spin class or or you're in yoga. You're not really able to think because you're surrounded and you're all moving together and it's it's you know very much to the clock and you're being directed. And so you can switch off. Um, and some people really want to switch off, right? That's what Netflix is for. That's what our phones are for. Is it's actually to help us jack out of our lives. And so I think a hit class is actually helping us jack out of our lives a little bit. And so we're, we'd always prefer that, or I'd rather uh, go for a run. It's just I just think you have a bit more control of your of your random thoughts that way. Whereas at the gym, yeah, you again this and that's actually, this one actually came to me as we're speaking now. I just yeah. think that that's certainly got a got a potential part to play. Uh, people say they don't like it, but what they don't really like is the situation they're in when they're when they are strength training, you know. But it's it's actually getting on in control of that, like making strength training a very mindful and meditative experience. And they always talk about the mind muscle. Put your mind into the muscle, feel the ref, and things like that. It's very bodybuilder type talk, but it's hundred percent true. Um, and again, Eric would have a lot to say on that. Like it's it can be very beautiful i don't know if that's a word but it's just it's it's just wonderful to feel your muscles working right yeah. I mean, like if you could 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 um add anything to that but i it's often similar with running when you feel that engine that is you just basically just you're just a you're a, you're an, an antelope you are just one with nature and you are just crushing it you're in that flow that was me this morning 100 percent. was it oh so cool yeah yeah, and I agree. So cool. I agree with you. I think that what animal are you? Oh, I I always think gazelle, and I'm not, but uh-huh. I do often think like that. And I'm just I'm absolutely in the moment. And it's interesting yeah. as like when I think about you talking about weight training like that. I think weight training could be a real. I mean, it's such a mindful activity because yeah. you have to yeah, focus yeah. on the movement, right? Um, yeah, if, especially if we're throwing some tempo in, you slow right yes. down. It's really feeling it. Yeah, but yeah, it's tough. It's just, it's just, it can be hard to get there, and so it's easier for people perhaps to say, "I don't really like strength training. I'd much rather go for a run," or you know. But I, yeah, I. Well, we were talking about marketing, right, and putting ourselves out there earlier. I don't really like that, but I know that I have to if I'm going to be successful. So if you don't really like strength training, but you know that it's going to make you live a healthier, longer, more active and adventurous life, then I know. And you know what? It's a little bit like your it's you like the way it makes you feel and then and then over time you just start to enjoy the actual process of it you know and I think it's like if it matters to you if it's hard for you now then just focus on that destination because over time you're gonna start enjoying the journey and enjoying the process yeah and how true is that for so many things right like I went from taking a zero and you know for speeches in English class at school like I just like give me the zero I don't like speaking in front of people and then I you know get up in front of hundreds of people these days and have no problem at all um but I had to start with fighting through that discomfort to start finding that I actually enjoyed speaking to people um but yeah um, if I just had dodged it because I don't like to do it yeah, we're not going to get anywhere. So I definitely think that's a big part of it. Hey, um, we talked about Pilates not necessarily being um, categorised as resistance training in itself, by itself, forever. What's the, what's the deal with HIT training? Because I often get asked this as well. Were you doing a bunch of that body weight training stuff? Does it? You know, yeah. What are, What are your thoughts on that? As a, you know, is HIT training also resistance training? The problem is the everything's been tarred with the brush, and it's not always classically hit. So um, hit hit with two eyes, yeah, uh, is high intensity interval training. So we're sprinting, and we're sprinting. Yeah, yeah, we should be sprinting, and most importantly, resting. Okay, resting. If we don't rest, we can't sprint hard. And whether that's sprinting on a bike or sprinting with weights or with body weight exercises or whatever, but it should be a hard effort. Yeah. Followed by a rest, which allows our you know um, energy to recover, and then we go again. Uh, if we're not resting, we're not doing hit. We're just doing we're doing mitt with one eye, medium intensity training. You're right. Yes, yes, yes. And that's what most hit. If you go into boot camp, if you go into to a lot of CrossFit, if you go into your 45 or similar, you're probably doing mitt. Um, and and it's but mid is hard enough that it, you might create and categorize it as high intensity because it's higher than you are used to. Um, it's higher than what most people would do. Uh, it feels harder than strength training because yeah. again, work and rest, work and rest. Strength training is actually hit in a way, 
because you'll be working quite hard um, and then you rest. Yeah. Um, so if you are not, I'd say if you're not super used to that kind of training, then then HIT and, and F45 and uh, BFT and CrossFit will certainly get you stronger. Um, and it's been proven. Like There's so many people have made that progress, but the programming is so varied. It will depend on where you're, where you're getting it from. You know, all the gyms are different, and so they all program a little bit differently. Um, so, again, again, I think you would make progress in the beginning, and I think you would make more progress than you would, if we're talking about strength again, you'll make more progress in Pilates or yoga um, because there are, you are actually using weights. But at some point, um, much it seems like there's so many themes coming around the same way, like the health at any size. At some point, like you could be doing great now, but it probably won't last. Um, we need to start circulating back towards classic strength training. And I'm starting to see that a lot of CrossFit gyms now are much more mindful of getting healthier amounts of strength training, like classic strength training, work and rest, work and rest, and not chucking it all into a circuit. Um, BFT, uh, you know, another common one out there, they have strength-only days, um, which is really cool. And and, uh, I've seen a lot of people from F45 switching to BFT. Does because... F45 also have just strength days or is it a strength I, focus? Do we even I know? I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't comment. I think, and I, you know, I hesitate to get myself into a, a lawsuit here, but I, I think they say they're doing strength days, but it's just more cardio. Oh, yeah. With weights. More cardio, you know, it just, yeah. Well, if you're wrong, Darren, but, I'm going to hear about it. And so I'll pass that on. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. But uh, again, this this is again putting myself in that same category when I'm banging like oh, I own I own the first CrossFit gym in the country, um, and I'm not saying that there's anything category wrong with any of these systems, but we need to be open to um, seeing how things evolve yeah. and evolving with it. You know, I don't mean trends. I mean what is actually working. What we because you know you know how young our science is in this in this field. We're always figuring stuff out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was an absolute diet and wool CrossFit convert, um, and I've just I've felt that there's some things that we can do better in that and similar areas. Um, and what's funny is that yeah, like the classic, lift some weights, do some cardio. So, Darren, obviously you work with me in Monday's Matter, and I'm so pleased to have your expertise in there. Uh, what are your recommendations then for strength training in a fat loss, with a fat loss goal? Because, I mean, that's the thing that a lot of us are all sort of interested in. Yeah. And, and this is the thing. This is where it becomes my number one recommendation because, again, not anti-cardio, and I'm trying to get some kind of cardio exercise in most days. Um, but I, I'm I, I'm doing it for heart health. I'm 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 an older bugger now, and I'm going to start thinking about that stuff. I'm doing it because it's just great to get out in this weather right now. Uh, and I've signed up for a really long freaking mountain bike race. And if I don't do some training, <laughs> I am right. going to be in trouble. Yes. Um, but if I was thinking solely about fat loss, I again call me biased. I would start with strength training because. We're typically eating in a calorie deficit, you know, like we should be if we're if fat loss is our primary goal. Um, cardio can make it harder. Again, this is what I believe and, and feel that sometimes cardio can make it harder to sustain that. It might drive hunger, um, and or it might drive that calorie deficit lower and then sort of catch us in the tail at the, at the back end. Um, whereas strength training, to me, strength training almost provides the, uh, like a sink. For energy that's not overly demanding you know so we're, we're exerting energy with our training but we're also trying to build muscle so we're trying to steer calories um to the creation of tissue rather than just eliminating it as in we're trying not you know rather than trying to burn fat burn fat burn fat which can sometimes be quite stressful oh that's such a good um, that's such a good uh, way to put it steering yeah. our calories towards laying down lean tissue rather than getting rid of it, getting rid of tissue. Yeah, and then what happens when we create more lean tissue? Our metabolism slightly increases. 
Yeah. Not yeah, nearly yeah, as much like, as what we yeah, used to but, think. Yeah, Isn't that interesting? Yeah, but yes, it I absolutely know. does. You're holding on though. Whereas yeah. if you think about it, like if you're if you're laying down lean tissue, preserving that muscle mass, yes, you're burning slightly more calories. But actually, if you weren't, the alternative would be way, way yeah, less. Yeah. Yeah, and that's right. Like science is showing, it's not as much as we maybe thought. And I used to certainly like trumpet that sort of as a, as a as a major thing. But how how do most of us gain fat really really slowly? Yes, you know over decades. Yes. So if we're doing the opposite with muscle, you know that's that's even if it's uh, even if it's a very insignificant amount of muscle gain. If we don't stop in twenty years, people are going to say, "Holy cow!" Totally. Yeah. 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 So strength training is obviously, you know, that's yeah. the the kingpin. Bit of cardio in there. What do you? What do you? What are? Do you have cardio recommendations? Uh, I haven't. Oh, we did that on your program. I, I did include um, the rucking. Rucking. Yes. Rucking is so hot right now. It is. I went for a ruck this morning, right before we got on the call. Good on you. Um, just put on a heavy pack, take the dog for a walk. It's just. I don't know, maybe partly me feels a bit more manly. Yeah, um, awesome though. But it's it's just it's just being more efficient. And my daughter is currently in a doesn't like to sit in the pram phase, so I'm missing out on all this walking that I used to get. So I throw a pack on, get a shorter walk in, um, and it's maybe you know just at least as effective. Uh, but then also I am getting you know some some uh, core work, some uh, axial loading, building a stronger spine, all that sort of stuff. Um, and the heavy yeah. pack is going to mean that you're burning more calories because you're carrying around more weight as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, again, it's nothing major, but it adds up. It adds up. And I'm looking again, long term, years and years, not just like what does what did that one pack walk do for me? Um, and so um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think we've. We, I guess you know I wouldn't call your plan aggressive, but it's in the sense of the fat loss is best people's primary goals. So I've you know I've always been cautious of we don't want to be slamming people with this ridiculous amount of exercise when the diet is the main focus you know and still should be your plan or otherwise right if, if fat loss is the goal it's diet based yeah yeah one hundred percent yeah we um, we are supporting it with the exercise that we do we're not trying to to make it um yeah another big hammer in the in the toolbox yeah. um Darren step. Uh, your step recommendations? Oh, uh, do you have any? I guess so. Um, well, it's just it's interesting. I so here's an interesting story. When I was forty, I went to the CrossFit Games, masters athlete, right? So fittest forty year old in New Zealand, shall we say? Yeah, love it. And my step my step count was about two thousand. Oh, crazy! Yeah, crazy yeah. though. So very very fit, but not very healthy. Not very healthy. Yes. You know, which is so common with with elite sport. Yeah. Um, now I couldn't do anywhere near the kind of performance. Um, you know, nearly ten years later, but uh, my step count is up in the nines, tens. Yeah, um, and I feel much better. Do you think people can take their steps too far? That's a great question. Uh, if it's at the ex- if it's at the expense of strength training, yes. Um, if it's at the expense of just getting this, the stuff done they need to in their day, because it's hard, right? To walk 10,000 steps straight, it's what's about an hour 20 or something on average, something like that. It's a, it's a decent lot of time. So if you don't have a job that lets you move around, getting 10 grand is tough. You've got to be deliberate. Um, you've got to be very deliberate. So beyond 10, and you know, I uh, don't know if you subscribe to a lot of the research coming out that suggests that seven is actually pretty darn awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 10 is just an arbitrary, you know, eight glasses of water kind of thing. Um, also arbitrary, listeners, eight glasses yeah, of water, just so you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah what's a glass? Yeah. There's, no, like, there's, no, there's no measurement on the side. Yeah, like, how big's the glass? Yeah. Um, that one always used to get me. So, yeah, I, but I do feel that because as a society we're moving less and less and less and less and less, I think that having that bar up around the 10,000 um, makes more sense. Yeah. It's still it's still pretty effortless compared to some of the other things we might need to do, uh, you know. Um, and and I I coach fitness and I sit at a desk for five or six hours a day. Yes. You know, I would prefer to walk closer to twelve thousand. I feel I feel great when I do that. It's just hard sometimes, and I've got a dog and a daughter. Although I will be at a stubborn one right now, but she'll get back to it. Yeah, I'll get totally. her on the bike and I'll be able to start walking big case again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. I feel like people who that there are people who 
Um, and I've seen this on um, in clients and stuff where they've had they they've gotten themselves to this position where they they work, walk like twenty thousand steps a day, like legitimately, and, and this is the thing that they do, and it's like, but yet it actually isn't helping them at all. And I'm like, yeah. but they're a little bit obsessed with it. So we work on yeah. this stepwise regression, actually. We're like, cool, oh. next week, let's just go for 17,000 a day, you know, like, mm-hmm. because it's, because you don't, because actually it would, from a metabolic perspective, you'd burn significantly less calories to drop immediately from 20 to 10. And you can absolutely do that, but, yeah. you know, it's yeah. probably a little bit better to sort of, uh Get yourself there in a yeah. much, it's almost that regression, like the the progression, but opposite direction. Yeah, because I guess that's yeah, that's just you can always have too much of a good thing. Yes, you totally can. And so you can do anything too much. And yeah, we see it again. We see it with the hit classes. Like you're doing a hit class every single day, you're probably missing out. You know whether that's whether you just need some some of that cardio to be more zone two, whether you need some of that hit class to be even higher intensity and be truly strength training or truly hit. Um, and not mit, um, you know, it's that variance once again is is what we're often uh, missing. And if we sign up for yoga or Pilates or CrossFit or F45 or anything, often you're getting the same thing. Yeah, no, I, and, that, yeah. and that's where it's tough. Yeah, I agree. And then ultimately, when we're talking about fat loss, the diet is a stress, the exercise is a stress. Steps yeah. shouldn't necessarily be power walking. They should be something that helps soothe and just sort of um, bring your nervous system back into balance, I think. This is how yeah, I feel it anyway. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes too, you know, I there's so much right now, you know, everyone's like listening to – David Goggins and Jocko and all this motivational hour and everything has to be this like trial by fire. And I worked out so hard and I'm kind of, I, I think partly I'm wired a little bit lazy, but also I don't really believe that it needs to be that tough. And I actually also really love a challenge. I love crazy, like say I've signed up for this hundred K mountain bike. Um, I, I like some of those really nutty challenges, ultra this and ultra that and ocean swims. And, but that's a test. The training doesn't have to look like that. I want the training to be easy. I've got enough on my plate. Um, and, and that's the funny thing is that you don't have to make every training session a test. Training can be quite easy and still have a positive benefit. However, when you say easy, you're still... Yeah, it's relatively, sure. And you're, yeah. rela- and you're still working hard. You're working, yeah. hard, you're working hard to get yeah. the parameters that we've talked about. Yes. But... But simple, simple, and and you don't. It's not, I suppose, cognitively demanding and overly exactly. taxing and stressful. So you're constantly yeah. in a grind. Exactly. So you have to use a strength training example. It seems that one to four, one to three reps from failure is a pretty sweet spot. Like so, taking your set to a point where when you do the tenth rep, you think to yourself, "I think I could get twelve, maybe thirteen reps." If you had a gun to my head. And that's important too. If you had a gun to my head, not like, oh, no, I'm done. And then, then we hold a gun to your head and you do 27 reps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you, and, and, and there's studies that have sort of shown that, not with a gun, but yeah. they've shown that people dr- drastically underestimate how many more reps they could have actually done. So, you do need to work hard. But um, conversely, when I used to, when I first started strength training, we would do, you know, 20 leg presses until we couldn't move the stack and then we'd pull some weight off and we'd do another 20 and then we'd pull some weight off and do another 20 and then we'd crawl over to the squat rack and we'd start doing squats until we got stuck at the bottom and then your mate would lift you up, pull some weight off and you'd do some more uh, and you'd go outside and you'd vomit. Oh, it's, you it's like me after yeah. a jolly workout. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just kidding, yeah. just and, kidding. And, and, <laughs> but there's nothing, like, again, that was, that was a, that's a test, but I was doing that every day, and that was what <laughs> yeah. we were told. I remember my first coach said, the, the, um, it's the, what did he say, did he say it? Like the, the, the reps, when you're doing a, a workout, that's, it's the reps after you fail that count. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. So you go to failure, right? Then you do four reps and negatives, and your, your mate helps <laughs> you, and you, you do drop sets down the stack, and, you know, you were digging this massive hole um, into your recovery. But, but when you're 20, your capacity is huge. You, so like, I absolutely could do that. Seriously, bulletproof. Imagine yeah. being 20 again, Darren. How old are you? Oh, my God. Uh, 48. Yeah, imagine that, man. 
can't even yeah. Etta wouldn't want to yeah. hey Darren we've got uh, to wrap this up yeah. so tell me so obviously you're in Monday's Matter Monday's Matter we're kicking off late September you guys would have been hearing about it now I'm pretty sure um, and there'll be a bit of a bonus with Darren as well so not only is he in the program but I'm going to talk him into doing an early bonus uh, chat about strength and and how to set it up. Um, Fantastic, yeah. Awesome. Where can people find you? And are you are you taking one on ones right now? Like, what's the gig? What's the do- what's the deal? Mm, got a, you got a got full schedule. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. 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 You'd have to impress me. <laughs> tell me. You have to be willing to do reps after the set is done. You know, you have to be willing to, to die for me and all the stuff that I said wasn't important. No. Um, uh, I do have a couple of spaces. Cool. Uh, Darren Ellis.coach. Darren Ellis.coach. Uh, Instagram, or the, that's also the website. Amazing. Awesome, Darren. Hey, thanks so much. Always so great to chat. Love it. Great. Yeah, it's Mickey. Alrighty. Hopefully, you enjoyed that conversation with Darren he's such a wealth of information and as always I got a lot of really great tips from him I'm constantly learning from him so absolutely check out his website and feel reassured that we've got someone super smart and experienced as the expert on Monday's Matter if that's the road that you're going down and next week on the podcast I talk to Dr Philip Prinz on low-carbohydrate diets in the athlete and metabolic health. Until then, though, you can catch me over on Facebook at Mickey Willardin Nutrition, Instagram, Twitter, and threads at Mickey Willardin, or head to my website, mickeywillardin.com, where you can sign up to a program or book a one-on-one call with me. All right, guys, have a great week.